At this time, Sean Witt, if you will come with Split Sermon, sir, entitled In the Waiting. Thank you, Ken. Good afternoon, everyone. Is this a beautiful Sabbath day or what? It's awesome. Well, good afternoon, like I said, and good afternoon to those online as well. We don't want to leave those people out. Hope everybody's having a good Sabbath so far. In our current satanic-influenced society, driven by instant gratification, excuse me, contributes to a lot of the problems we're facing today in our world. As a direct result, there's addictions. People are way over their heads in debt. Uh, there's increased suicides from depression and disorders from depression, and the list goes on. There's a lot of problems because of the satanic world that we live in under Satan's influence. We turn the TV on and we hear advertisements like, no money down. You can get that car for only $400 a month for just 84 short months. <laughs> and no payments due until next year. We as people are very impatient. For those of us over 30, you probably remember dial-up on your computer, sit there and listen to the bells and whistles and such going off. And Now, it seems like if somebody texts us, if they don't text back within a couple of minutes, we're like, well, I better call them if something's wrong. <laughs> Everything's just faster paced than it used to be. And we can be very impatient. In our daily life, circumstances if we blindly plow through using our own understanding and not allowing God to help us, we can get ourselves into some serious trouble and find ourselves in a pit of despair just where Satan wants us. Today I'd like to share with you six points of how we can avoid getting into a pit of despair and how to get out of it if you're already in one. Point number one, we all have trials and tribulations. Please turn with me to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It's good for us to have trials because we do develop the patience that we need that God wants us to have. And to expand upon that some more, let's turn to verse, or chapter, uh, J John chapter 16, verse 33. One thing I want to mention in there, uh, when it was talking about uh, James 1, verse 2 and 3, it said, count all joy. And I want to emphasize the joy part of that. So as we go into John chapter 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So I want to focus on the cheer part and having joy. You know, God could instantly deliver us, but why doesn't he? He tells us to be joyful and to have good cheer. The answer may lay in the waiting, a treasure 
to be found in a relationship with him. He wants to develop a relationship with us. He could deliver us right at that moment, but he wants to develop a relationship with us, and he wants us to have joy, and he wants us to be of good cheer. And we can have that when we start to have a relationship with him. God wants a relationship with us. He wants us to be seeking him, but not just to come to him only when we need help, but God instantly can deliver us from our problems. We would never learn anything if, we, if he didn't work with us. You know, it's the same with our kids. If we jumped in and helped our kids every time they had a problem, they would never learn anything. It would be a disservice to them. It would be cheating us, and it would be cheating our children as well. So we need to develop the relationship with God, and then set that example with our kids as well when they get into harm's way or trouble, that we don't just jump in and try to have that not be a problem for them because they need to learn lessons as well um, to develop character. So do we treat God like he's a fast through or a, a fast food drive through you know, getting miracles off the 99-cent menu? Uh, we can't treat God like that. Um, maybe if some of us do that where we just come to run to him when we have troubles, we have to have a relationship with him at all times, not just when we're in trouble uh, needing help from him. And uh, regarding treating him like a fast food uh, restaurant. I mean, do you have a deep relationship with uh, the cashier at the local uh, fast food establishment? You know, probably not. So you want to develop a great relationship with God, not just in time of trouble, but all the time. My point is that you wouldn't come up to the cashier and um, just tell her your problems and such. You want to develop that relationship with God. Today, let's take a closer look at a certain passage in the Bible that talks about um, waiting, relationship, and deliverance. Please turn to Psalms 40, verse 1 through 3. I have waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Wait patiently and allow God to guide us. We are going to dissect this portion of scripture today and see how we can find some practical applications of what we can do while we're waiting for God's deliverance. Point number two, our part. Our part in it. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that's in James uh, chapter 4, verse 8. You can go ahead and just reference that. But it looks like he's got it up there as well. It is all about a relationship. You need to know that you know that you know that God has got it for us. He has a vested interest in us and he wants to, us to succeed. We find evidence of this in John chapter 15. And we're going to go there now, verses 9 through 11. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, I will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. To further expand upon this, let's go to Philippians 4, verse 7. 
Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind through Jesus Christ. We need to develop this relationship during the period of waiting. Grants you the amazing benefit of peace. And a sub-point that I have is wait patiently. We must wait. And I'd like to show you a book that Kim introduced me to. It's uh, Beth Moore's Get Out of That Pit. And it's a really great book about um, getting out of situations where um, we get into these pits. And I'm just going to read a couple of pages from here. Here the Hebrew... Um, let me start back right up here. The phrase, waited patiently, is translated from a single Hebrew word, kwa, pronounced kwa The same word is also used in Isaiah 64.3, where the reference of God's, to God, Isaiah writes, For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down into the mountain and trembled before us. Here the Hebrew word is translated expect. The theological dictionary of the Old Testament speaks of a goal-oriented character of the verb qua. The psalmist of the goal-oriented character of the verb, the psalmist didn't sit at the pit and twiddle his muddy thumbs until God delivered him. He postured himself in absolute expectation. He had a goal and his shoulders were not slumped till he saw it fulfilled. His deliverer was coming and on his way fighting battles and blazing paths somewhere beyond the psalmist's gaze. Never fear that God is not at work while you wait. He's doing what no one else can. If your eyes could only see what God is moving, all those chess pieces around the board for maximum impact, it would blow your mind. He's up to something that is big that affects not only you, but everyone around us. So while we're patiently waiting, God is orchestrating and working with us to help us. Turn with me now, please, to Psalms 27, verse 14. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So what do we do while we're waiting? And what happens while we're waiting? We are drawing closer to God. We still need to be active and doing what we need to. So we have that closeness. We are not out trying to conquer the world on our own agendas. We allow God to fight for us by staying close to him. Please turn with me to Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They should run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We become stronger and closer to God. We need to cry out to God also and ask for his help. Please turn to Psalms 57, verse 2. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. God hears our cry and he wants to help us. But what might be keeping us from crying out to him? Could it be laziness? Possibly being uncomfortable in our pit? Actually being comfortable in our pit? Learned circumstances, helplessness, depression, 
if we're not careful, we can start to become comfortable in our pits and just give up. So God wants us to cry out to him and ask for his help. Please turn to, excuse me, we're going to do um, part number three now, which is God's part, point number three. So first point was trials and tribulations. The second one was our part. Now part three is God's part. We need to allow God to pull us out of the pit. We cannot do it on our own. We need his help. We need his intervention to help us, to pull us out of the mire that makes us sink deeper and deeper into our stinky, slimy pit of despair. Please turn with me now to Psalms 40, verse 2, regarding more about the slimy pit that we can get into. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Out of the mud and mire, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Jesus is our rock, and I want to explain that some more. I'm going to read a couple more pages in uh, this book of Beth Moore's uh, Getting Out of the Pit. All right, on page 61 here. I want to emphasize that phrase the rest of your life. God is not just firm place to stand. He's a firm place to stay. This book is not about getting out of the pit for a while. It's about getting out of the pit for good. And if that's what we want, then we've got to do something about it. It is critical that we do. We've got to stand up and make up our minds. The ground beneath our feet will only be as firm as our resolve. As long as we're wishy-washy, what's under our feet will be wishy-washy too. God gives us a firm place to stand, but we have to decide if we want to take it. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but it doesn't force anyone to take him either. God is ever the giver. See James verse 1 through uh, verse 17, chapter 117. But by his sovereign design, each individual gets to exercise the prerogative, the prerogative whether or not to be a taker. We take the firm place, he gives when he makes up his mind and plant both of our feet. That's exactly what the Hebrew word translated firm in Psalms 40, verse 2 explains. In another psalm, it is used to characterize man's response to God. Psalm 78 speaks of a generation who would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds. Okay, please turn with me to Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. So the book is just talking about we need to uh, make up our minds to not be wishy-washy, that we want God to pull us out of the pit to help us because we cannot do it on our own. We can't do it on our own accord. And if we've gotten down into a pit like the book was saying and what I mentioned before, it's very hard to get back out if we don't have God's intervention to help us. So we need to want to get out of the pit also. Now back to Matthew verse, chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Therefore, whoever hears these things, these sayings of mine, and does not do them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain descended, the floods came down, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock, because they did it correctly. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them, be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came, descended, the floods 
winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and it was a great fall. We don't want to have a great fall. We need to have a strong foundation that requires a close relationship with God. In addition, we must be mentally steadfast in believing that God will deliver us. As we see in Hebrews 11, verse 6. You'll turn there, please. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for it, he cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We need to be diligently seeking God. Okay, our fourth point now is thanksgiving. We need to be thankful. And looking back to Psalms 40, verse 3, that we'd gone to before, part of it says, He put a new song in our mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Now let's take a look at Psalms 32, verse 7. You are in my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You you should surround me with songs of deliverance. Did you catch that? The song is one of praise and deliverance. God will deliver us. We need to adopt an attitude of confident steadfastness while we wait upon the Lord. Also while waiting, praise God and give thanks for what he is doing behind the scenes. We have no idea what he's doing behind the scenes for us. You know, it might look pretty desperate at times in our life just like it was for the children of Israel up against the Red Sea. They thought they had no escape. They're led up to the sea, and there they were. But God always has an escape for us. We have no idea what he's orchestrating behind the scenes. Maybe he's wanting us to wait and to see what he will do, and he'll come through mightily with a great um, great miracle for us. So let's now turn to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor heard or ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. God has great plans for our future. He loves us and he wants us to be in his kingdom and he wants us to, to be there and he will look out for us. We just need to cry out to him. We need to wait patiently, and he will help us. Point number five. As a result of doing these things, you will become a light and a witness. The second part of Psalm 40, verse 3 said, Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. This is a result of them witnessing your calm confidence in God, even during the midst of difficult trials. They will eventually also see God's deliverance of you and be witness to his might and his glory. Okay, now we're going to go to Psalms 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We need to be still in order to hear that still, small voice and hear God's direction for the next action step we are going to take in our waiting period. Also turn now to Psalms 119.105 to further expand on this. Your word is my lamp to my feet and my light to my path. 
By keeping in close contact with God through prayer and Bible study, you will better able to know what steps you must be taking. You know, you might have something going on in your life or trying to find a job. You'll, he can help guide you to know where should I put that resume out to? Where should I make the phone calls to to make connections? He will guide you and help you show, and show you where you need to be and what it is you need to be doing. We just need to stay calm and listen to his voice and he will help us and just continue to wait on God's deliverance. Another place we can find a promise of God directing us is found in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. As you increase following God to direct your life, you'll become a light to others, and you'll be a witness setting the right example. And now for the last point, it's ironic justice. Satan wants nothing more for us to be in a pit. He wants us to be away from God. He wants us to be comfortable where we are in our pit with our addictions, whatever it is that we've fallen into, uh, whatever depression problems, whatever the case is, whatever's got us into that pit, he wants us to be there. And eventually, Satan's going to be put into his own pit. He hates us, but uh, the ironic justice is that Satan's going to be put in a pit himself someday. And I'm going to turn to another part in the book just to read a little bit about Satan and being in his pit. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him. There you have it. Before the Lord does away with Satan, once and for all, he's going to have, give him a taste of the pit. It's a perfect plan in reality sublimely scriptural. After all, after all long ago in Psalms 7, 15, and 16 promise that he who digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit he has made. The trouble he has caused recoils on himself. His violence comes down on his own head. In God's economy, those who dig a pit for others will invariably fall into one themselves. God writes perfect endings. He can't help it. He's a wordsmith. If you'll ever meet one, every beginning will have a perfect ending. After all the dirt the prowling lion has gathered in his paws, digging pits for us, he will eventually find himself caged in the pit. Maybe the reason his pit is so deep is because God is scooping it out until it reaches a total depth of all the ones that he dug for us. By the time Satan looks at life from a bottomless pit, our feet will forever be standing upon a rock. The air will be clear, the view crystal, the fellowship sweet, and the sufferings of present time won't even be worthy to compare to the glory revealed to us. And it references Romans 8, verse 18. Before we go there, we're going to... Actually, let's go to there right now. It 
In Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. The great time ahead when we know that Satan's going to be put into this pit and he'll be away and won't be able to influence us anymore. And What a great time that's going to be. I'm going to skip that other verse. We're going to go to, let's see. In conclusion, I have given six points broken down from Psalms 40, uh, verses 1 through 3. The first point, as a recap, be joyful and have good cheer, even in trials. We need to make sure that we stay joyful and have good cheer. Do your part by waiting patiently, but cry out. Ask God to help you. Pray, have Bible study. Look to him for his guidance. And don't get comfortable in your pit because we can become callous and we can get off into the world and we need to be drawn back to God. We need to reestablish ourselves and uh, just do our part. And God's always there for us, even when we do fall off. He's merciful. He loves us. And the whole point of this message is, is don't beat yourself up. God's there to help us. And when we go astray, he still helps us and guides us and wants nothing but the most for us. Point three, allow God to pull us out of our pit. We can't do it on our own. We need his help to do it. And then point four, praise God by giving him thanks always. In everything that we do, we need to be praising him and asking for his help all the time and just glorifying him and thanking him for all that he does. And point five, as a result, you'll be a light and a witness to others. We can help other people. We can help pull them out of the pit as well and guide them along. Point six, the ironic justice. Satan will be put in a pit of his own for all eternity. What a glorious time that's going to be when it'll be God is with us, spending time with us, and Satan's plan will be um, what he's tried to do to take us out of God's plan. He'll be put away and for all eternity. So in conclusion at this time, I'd like to show everyone an inspirational video. It's a song, uh, Strength Will Rise, and it's performed by Lincoln Brewster.
to the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint.